Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Hi, I'm Claire Nina Norelli, author of the 33 and a third book, Soundtrack from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to the Twin Peaks Unwrapped podcast. Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant. And beside me... Brian Kazowska. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, March, the eyes of March are upon us. We're getting very close to season three. Um, Only a few months away. Uh, this is very exciting times we live in. Very exciting. I yes. Can, uh, Get closer and closer. I, I every day I have to pinch myself and say, "What is this really happening?" Like, I know, and I, I just keep thinking, "I have to make it. I don't. <laughs> I, I can't get hit by a car. <laughs> I can't have a heart attack. I have to live. Never mind that. You know, my family wants me to be around, but I need, I, I need to be around for Twin Peaks season three. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got a lot to go over this episode. We got a lot of things. Uh, but the first thing we have to talk about, and the most important thing we have to talk about, is Log Lady. We get so busy with movies and interviews, Yes, there's never enough time for the Log Lady. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm thinking we should do like three a week, and like <laughs> every week it'll be like next time we do it, it'll be four or five, and then it'll make, at some point we'll probably do a whole, a whole episode, episode just on the Log, Log Lady. Lady. Yeah. And now, it's Log Lady time. So we're going to now cover episode five Okay. with the log lady. The log lady. I play my part on life's stage. I tell what I can to form the perfect answer. But that answer cannot come before all are ready to hear. So I tell what I can to form the perfect answer. Sometimes my anger at the fire is evident. Sometimes it is not anger, really. It may appear as such. But could it be a clue? The fire I speak of is not a kind fire. So this is really an abstract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 
it goes into the whole fire walk with me. Goes into the whole fire, the whole theme of Twin Peaks. Starts off with the I play my part on the stage. She did have a knowledge about who Laura was with on the, la- the last night of her life. That she was that she didn't know who, but there were three men. There was of course there was Jacques and Leo, and then we later le- learned that it was Leland, Leland who was also in the woods. So she's because she's in the woods because she has a cabin in the woods. She could hear that there was people around, and she is one with the woods. She is. She's Her log speaks. Right. Although it's still interesting to think that uh, Catherine Coulson didn't believe that it really did speak to her, even though I really do believe. Well, she she did say. It wasn't her... She didn't believe it was the spirit of her husband. Okay. I also didn't know if she thought it was a spirit at all, though. Mm. I don't know. But in the show, she does say, my log has lots to say. Right. But what is that you, a way... Again, we, we always go back to, is this like... Projecting onto the log? Yeah. That she's she's got these thoughts? Maybe. It could be. Because she's could be... She's, you know... Like... Yeah, I mean, yeah. that could be it, too. Definitely. And I do like this thing about, but but the answer cannot come before all are ready to hear it. So she sometimes has things, and people have to be in the right place. Like Cooper, it's, it is always interesting that Cooper was not ready to talk to the log. Like, he had, it took, it took I think, to this episode for him to be ready to talk and say, what did the log see and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, that's true. Maybe he didn't have enough information. Up or, to that point. or he was wasn't ready to accept it. Yeah, mm, yeah. Except that a log's gonna talk to him. <laughs> he's he's open to dreams and uh-huh. Tibet and all this stuff, but he's not. Yeah, open maybe to... after the dream, he's more open. Spiritually, he's open to uh, let these things in, because before the dream, maybe he wasn't ready. And then, you know, she's talking about being angry with the fire. And, like, one of the things she's angry about is the fire took her husband away. So, I mean, like, there is a, a, a real relationship with with the fire, fire. killing yeah. her husband. But also we, we think that the fire is, is a representation probably of the evil that is out there. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not anger. It's not anger really. It may appear as such. So maybe fire could be, like, the passion like fire mm. to be representative of like a passion you got the fire in you to be driven to do something and maybe the fire in cooper is the fire to find out who killed laura but the fire she speaks of is not kind yes so that's not the fire that we're talking about the fire you know so this is the evil kind of fire mm. yeah let's go on to episode six beauty is in the eye of the beholder Yet there are those who open many eyes. Eyes are the mirror of the soul, someone has said. So we look closely at the eyes to see the nature of the soul. Sometimes when we see the eyes, those horrible times when we see the eyes, eyes that that have no soul, then we know a darkness. Then we wonder, where is the beauty? is none if the eyes are soulless Ooh, that is you know deep that is deep and this might shed a light on the white eyes of the doppelgangers ah the white eyes right that's interesting i mean leland hair leland's hair goes white yep but then when we see him in the lodge later on he's got that's white the doppelganger, doppel- the do- he's got white eyes right and Bob has Laura, we've seen with the white eyes, and even Cooper. Mm. And it's it's like 
telling us, the viewer, this is the doppelganger. Right. But you don't see the pupils. Yeah. The, the window to the soul is gone. That's something. Mm. So this is episode six. Sometimes Lynch really is taking ideas from the episode and you know using that mm. with the log lady intros. This is the episode with uh, Waldo gets killed, gets shot. I don't see any relationship to the eye of the soul in this one particular. Yeah. I do like the eyes are the mirror of the soul, someone has said. But again, that whole idea of the mirror and mm -hmm. stuff. That, yeah, that it's a reflection. And Laura Palmer's eye was a clue. To finding James. That's true. The Laura, motorcycle right, right, reflection right. was in the eye. Yeah. So why wasn't that on the pilot or something? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, 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 yeah. And I mean, so that, and, you know, Cooper is a very astute of character. Mm. And when he does interview James, or Bobby, I should say Bobby, he knows he didn't do it. But I also feel he knows that James didn't do it either. Is he looking into their eyes? Like looking, feeling who they are through mm. their their body, their soul. Right. Like Cooper's really good at that. He is, and he could probably he he knows they're innocent right. almost just by right. listening to them and watching them. Right, Bobby too. Like when he saw Bobby, he knew that Bobby didn't do yeah, it right away. Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. So, but I think you're right. I mean, it's funny. Again, you know, these Long Lady intros were done after the whole series, so you can look back on them. And I do think this is talking about the last episode with. There not being any, you know, you know yeah, white eyes. the white eyes, yeah. which are always creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. A drunken man walks in a way that is quite impossible for a sober man to imitate, and vice versa. An evil man has a way, no matter how clever, to the trained eye, his way will show itself. Am I being too secretive? No. One can never answer questions at the wrong moment. Life, like music, has a rhythm. This particular song will end with three sharp sounds, like deathly drum beats. Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there. And man, <laughs> this, that's a good one. I it really is. like this one. This is episode seven. This yeah. is the season finale of the first season. The drunken man walks in a way that's quite impossible for a sober man to imitate and vice versa. So you know the person who the killer is, it's going to come out. You can only pretend for so long. Right. And if you look at Leland, if we think Leland is pretending, he cries and he seems like he's... And he dances. And he dances. To music. Right. And, and that is what's going to give him away. That yes. Like the dancing, the little man from another place dancing. That He's almost like dancing with joy, even though it's supposed to be sadness. He seems yes. to be excited about what he's doing and he can't control himself. So he has to constantly dance. What we was, have to dance for Laura. Yeah. What was that song? Come on, get happy. <laughs> I mean, this Long Lady intro is just so amazing. Yeah, it's um, a good one. Yeah. In in the ending, the particular song will end with three sharp notes, like a deathly drum beat. Cooper getting shot was, three times. Yes, I was yeah. thinking that. Yep. Mark Frost directed the last episode here, but he actually is the one that holds the gun to shoot <laughs> Cooper. <laughs> so there, there is footage out there. You know, I think it actually might have been on the Blu-ray. Shows Mark Frost actually there at the door it was shooting Mark Cooper. Frost it was all along. All along, he did it. The long lady says, "No one can ever answer questions at the wrong moment." People were led to believe that they were going to find out who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. So I think there is this people that were upset, and long lady is saying that it, it has to happen at the right time and Lynch again never wanted to reveal who killed Laura Palmer which I disagree but I felt like it was the right time when they did do it they came back the second season they had so many episodes they were going to do before they were going to reveal who the killer was by planning it having that time to plan out okay the next 
eight episodes of the second season is going to be planned just to give us the reveal. It, they did it at the right time. I really think season two should have ended with us finding out who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. Because what if... We didn't find out who killed Laura Palmer to the very end of season two. All 22 right. episodes came out, and that final right. two episodes was like a, a two-hour movie where you found out. Yeah. Fans might have been upset at the time, but overall, I think that would have been a better plan. Or a shortened, or a shortened season. But it's still that. What we saw in the last episode, episode it 29, so cool. it was so cool. Yeah, and it's cool. nothing you'd see like that on TV. Even today, I don't feel like it was no. still original. So I'm glad about that. And my fear is if, if they had ended it at episode 16 for second, you know, that was the end of the season, I, my fear would be that they wouldn't have renewed it. And so we, mm. that's all we would have gotten. So yeah. it's one of those things where... Hindsight's 2020, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the log lady. We got three episodes there. We got to talk with the log lady. And we'll try to do some more. We still got a lot to do yeah. in the yeah, next yeah. several weeks or so <laughs> that we have left. And now, who's in Twin Peaks? This week, we'll be discussing Dale Cooper and Albert Rosenfeld. The special agents? The special agents of Twin Peaks. Yes. First, Dale Cooper. The man, the myth. The legend. The legend, Dale Cooper. Yeah. And, you know, some people might be saying, well... This is an obvious one. We know he's going to be in the show. I mean, he was the first one announced. I mean, that was the first person we knew for sure was coming back. I can't even think yeah. of having a Twin Peaks without Dale Cooper, especially the way it's been left off at the end. Yes. I mean, he's kind of like, yeah, we're going to do a show, but we never know what happens to Dale Cooper. I mean, I don't think he could do it. Yeah. I mean, so what we're going to talk about is our theory of what is going to happen to Cooper. And it was said during the Showtime uh, panel and everything that season three is the odyssey of Dale Cooper coming back to Twin Peaks. Yeah, President uh, very... David Nevins mentioned that. Now, it's interesting that he says the odyssey of Dale Cooper coming back to Twin Peaks. I'm intrigued by that mm. notion. It makes me feel, are we not going to be in Twin Peaks, the town, that much? And that's that's a theory. People will say that there's filming maybe in Paris and other places... Honestly, that worries me. I don't get worried much, but I do get worried about, like, I don't want it to be like James where he goes to another town. If the show was called Twin Peaks, we should be in Twin Peaks. I agree with that statement, but the glaring difference is this is Dale Cooper, not James. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, very good point. You're right. I could I could follow Dale Cooper anyway. Yeah, me yeah, too, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. James is a wooden, boring character. No <laughs> offense to the actor. I, you know, I feel but like was every not... week we, 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 uh, we just James. Poor I James. Know. There's there's moments. I There are moments he's all right. And what about that scene? <laughs> Just you and oh, me. Oh, jeez. It was amazing. <laughs> Even though it, I don't think it was him, was it? It was, it was him. him. It was him. J I mean, yeah, Brad Dukes keeps telling you to read his book. So uh, you yeah, know. I know. I got to read it. All right. So this is interesting. I believe we might have one episode in Twin Peaks, and then that's going to give us the investigation of what happened to Dale Cooper. And Dale Cooper goes off the reservation i believe hmm. after the end of season two we know the good cooper is in the the lodge the bad cooper's out and about he could go on a killing spree he can go investigate to his heart's content but he could be the killer mm -hmm. um or he could just go kill and nobody would ever know because dale cooper's such a sweet person that nobody would ever think 
he could be a killer. Right. So I'm almost thinking, is there some sort of serial killer or murders that happen that span the country mm. um, or the world? If they do travel to Paris, I don't know. I mean, yeah. That could have been a filming location. Doesn't mean it takes place there. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree that the, just the location might look great, but mm. how, who's to say this isn't the White Lodge or or the Black Lodge or some other like above the convenience store place that it doesn't exist in the real world? It's in a whole other it, dimension. Like Star Wars, they film in Australia. They're not really filming in space. <laughs> But yeah, you know, the location looks nice and they it just takes place in a different part of the Twin Peaks universe. So maybe these other people come in, these other agents, mm. and they are they are told Cooper's off the reservation. We don't know where he went to. Here's all the belongings that we have. You dig in. This is something that goes with the book. Yeah. You dig in. Let's find clues. Let's figure this out. And it could be a globe-trotting or country-trotting adventure to figure out where Dale Cooper is. Mm. And maybe we see... Where in the world, world is, is Dale, Dale Cooper? Cooper. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I was thinking? The though? coffee. Yeah. The donuts. Uh, the donuts. You know, yeah. Yes. Hawks on the trail. Yes. You know, I was thinking about when I heard this this odyssey of Dale Cooper returning to Twin Peaks. The first thing I thought about was Eddie Vedder's song that supposedly is in Twin Peaks. And it's kind of talking about a broken man. Like he's, he's a broken person. Broken person. He's kind of lost in space. I mean, lost in space and time. Lost in the lodge. Yeah, he's lost and like in the so. Lodge. I mean, like to be gone for that much time, and kind of then finding yourself. And I mean, it's almost like the, that. Odyssey isn't actually a physical thing, but it's actually a spiritual, mental thing. Yeah. Okay. David Lynch said, "Firewalk with me" is very much part of this show. I do believe since Laura Palmer was helped by Dale Cooper, we saw that full circle mm -hmm. with Firewalk with me. Right. I do believe Laura Palmer is going to save Dale Cooper. That would be awesome. In the lodge. Right. She's been in the lodge longer than him. Yeah. Now he's stuck in there for 25 years. Right. And then we know there's a future self when they're old saying, I'll see you in 25 years. Right. And we, we've talked about this yeah. before, and, and we mentioned, I think, in the, in the last episode, in that script, Laura kind of tries to protect Cooper. In the script, there's the whole dentist chair, and Bob has a syringe, and I don't know if that's the way he's going to get Dale Cooper's soul, but he goes to get Dale Cooper, and all of a sudden, an arm grabs Bob, yeah. and it's Laura Palmer, mm. and it, she seems like she's going to have a battle with Bob. I think David Lynch can come up with a better yes. version of this, but I do think there's going to be Laura there to help protect Dale Cooper. I do believe i do believe laura was helped by a man who they never met who and she called him mike in her diary she just said could this be mike? mike february 22nd last night i had the strangest dream i was in a red room with a small man dressed in red and an old man sitting in a chair i tried to talk to him i wanted to tell him who bob is because i thought he could help me but my words came out slow and odd 
It was frustrating trying to talk. I got up and walked to the old man. Then I leaned over and whispered the secret in his ear. Somebody has to stop Bob. Bob's only afraid of one man. He told me once. A man named Mike. I wonder if this was Mike in my dream. Even if it was only a dream, I hope he heard me. The confusion there because she doesn't know who Dale Cooper is. Right. Very interesting. Mm. I still, I mean, is that, what are you, what is your theory? I have so many different questions. I wonder, can, can Cooper come out of the, of the Red Room if the evil doppelganger is out? No, because Leland was trapped in there. But if you're using Leland, then is Cooper and the doppelganger the same person? Because if in Leland's case, he was possessed and when he was about to die, all of a sudden Bob left him and Leland was on the floor and he was dying. And it wasn't like Leland dies and then the real Leland comes out of the, the red room. You know what I mean? So it was like one and the same. It was one person. And that, is Cooper's body being used by both the doppelganger and the good Dale? I would say yes and no. I would say yes <laughs> and no. Well, because we know, I guess the rule, there are no real rules, but the way I look at it is Bob is a vision of evil and Leland possessed that vision that evil but the I always believe there was a good Leland that existed prior to that he wasn't always Bob he was born Leland that evil possessed him mm -hmm. and we saw that evil try to take Laura right. Laura fought it off the best she could and then that evil got into Cooper and the good Cooper's trapped and I feel the Leland that we briefly see in the last episode there is the evil Leland trapped because the good Leland died. Mm -hmm. When he died, I feel like the evil left him. Right. And that was his body was back to being the good Leland that he once was. Mm -hmm. So for me, I guess, I mean, yeah, me, I think you're there, right. I mean, there's still both, some right? uncertainty. Well, there's still some uncertainty. Is it, are they the same? I'm like, is yes Leland, no, well, yeah, was Leland possessed and is Cooper possessed? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if Cooper's possessed or if if there's another person taking his place. That's it's, what a doppelganger it's, is. It's like the same. Per like, I feel it's a, like it's, it's it's a double evil double. I think whatever rules apply to Leland apply to Cooper. In my just just the way I wrap my head we around. We need John it. Thorne on the show again. Yeah, I mean, I believe he, that. Yeah, he has his own theory about this. I do believe whatever I apply to Leland, I'm gonna have to apply to Cooper. Because it changes everything if you don't. Yeah. It makes it like a different thing. And it's so horrible. This is what makes it exciting, though. Yeah. I think it's going to be really exciting to see where it goes. Yeah. My only concern is if Cooper is bad or broken for the whole series, the whole season. I don't – I want to – I miss – the good Cooper. I miss the the boyish guy who was excited, who liked to throw rocks. I I hope, I hope we have, don't have to wait till episode seventeen to get that. You know what, Ben? I get the indication we're not going to always see Cooper. We're going to see both Coopers. We're going to see the mischievous, evil Cooper out in the world. But I also feel we're going to get episodes where we're going to see the good Cooper in the lodge dealing with a lot of stuff, and. He could be dealing with his past. I mean, there's a lot of things they can dive into. His whole psyche, he could be trapped within himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh God, you and can you're go playing so with time deep. too. So I mean, yeah. I don't. I mean, you could have to deal with time travel. There's the it's endless possibilities with the Red Room. Did, for all we know, Lynch could tell the story backwards. I mean, we don't know. It could go forward 
in the show, in the actual real world, mm. but then go backwards in the, the lodge right. or have no time. It can just skip everywhere. Right. I feel like we're going to see both sides of Cooper. So we're going to see the side we love. And we're going to see the side we're going to hate. Yeah. And then in the end, I think if it's satisfying, I hope saving Cooper's story. We have to discuss Albert Rosenfeld, Miguel Ferreira. Ferreira. Now he just passed away. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Health uh. declined considerably on uh, CSI. Hmm. Um, a lot of people who watched that show noticed that the last season, he looked a lot different. He looked a very thin and frail. And I guess he was supposed to be at that showtime. The TCA, yeah. the Television Critics Association panel. So he was supposed to be there with Kyle McLaughlin and the others. You know, I think we are very lucky that we are going to get to see one of his final performances in mm, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Coming back as a beloved character. What do you think Albert's going to be doing in the new series? Here's my theory. Yes. We're going through the IMDb like we have. It says one episode. There's a I'm, lot of one episodes. I don't want to believe this one episode. Stuff. I'm going to go off what they're telling me. Uh-huh. I'm going to go off what IMDb saying. It could be wrong. We know this. But I think, like we just talked about Dale, what we're going to be dealing with his character, uh, Albert, along with other agents, there's going to be maybe the first episode, maybe the second episode. These agents are going to be called in to say... We're on the search for Dale. He's gone. He's off the reservation. We don't know where he is. He's been missing for X amount of years. 25 we, years. 25 years. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. what. I'm sure it be 25 years, but we need expertise. We need people to get involved, and he's going to be one of them amongst others. So here's the thing about this. Mm. We, we have to remember Albert is a forensic expert. Yes. Right? So, like... Why there's a why would we bring him in if there are some dead bodies? Yes, we need some dead bodies. And I think they're going to call him in for research. Right. Because if the doppelganger of Dale's out there, maybe killing mm -hmm. or there there's dead bodies. Right. We don't know who's doing the killing, but Dale Cooper's also missing. They connect the dots. They say, "What is going on here? This can't be Dale." Right. But he comes in and he can he can help put the clues together with these bodies. Yeah. Now, in Twin Peaks Firewalk With Me lore, just because he deals with dead bodies doesn't mean he can do other things because Dale Cooper has done stuff with dead bodies. Firewalk With Me. Cooper was with Sam, and Sam is also in the same same job oh, as true. Albert. You're so right. that's yeah. why. But, I mean, Dale did work on Laura's body by taking the thing out of the fingernail. I'm glad that's where I was going to go next. Yeah. I think this is going to be a related case to the Laura Palmer case, that we're going to have these dead bodies, and there's going to be letters underneath the fingernails. And I bet you these letters are not going to spell out Robertson. It's going to be a whole new letters. Maybe that will spell out something else. Cooper. <laughs> Wouldn't that be sad? Oh, I don't uh, want to be Cooper, but it could be something or, or Dale or yeah. yeah. You need something long. Cooperson. Cooperson. <laughs> I mean, who better than Albert, who has already been yeah. working on this case, case 25 years ago? But to bring him in again and say he can say yes, I've seen this before. This does look a lot like Laura Palmer when I when mm -hmm. I did the autopsy for that. If yeah. only I'd be given more time and they had to put the body in the ground, I would have. Yes, been. <laughs> I would have. He can make some. I'm hoping to get some good sarcastic. Albert. Albert. 
Albertsons out yeah. of him, right? And um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see him on the screen one last time. That's this week's uh, Who's Going to Be in Twin Peaks 2017. We're getting close. We are getting close. It would be great. Right before the show starts, we can do like a speculation show. where, yeah. And then we can just do our speculations. And then after the show airs, we can do points. We can see who's... Uh, <laughs> I always like Brian theories. Brian and his uh, haunted house and uh, all the other things that you oh, came up with. Oh, God, I know. So, Ben, it's now time for our guest of the week. On the phone with Claire Nina Norelli, a writer, a composer, a musician, and a teacher, and she's got this new book out, The Soundtrack from Twin Peaks. Hi, Claire. Hi, how are you going? <laughs> hey. Good. So tell me about your book and like how did you decide to, to write this book? Well, about a year and a half ago, I thought um, I'd like to pitch a book to the 33 and a Third series because I'd mm. read a couple of their books previously and I've written sort of articles over the years um, about film music that kind of thing and then in um, university I did a musicology degree where I explored the film music of Bernard Herrmann but mm. really speaking my um, interest in film music began with Angelo Badalamenti back in high school. Yeah I was thinking about what to do in terms of a, a new project and I was thinking oh I'd love to pitch one of these books and they had an open call back in gosh it must have been July or so in 2015 and uh, mm. I was sort of thinking what who should I write about? And funnily enough, the first one that came to my mind was um, a Smashing Pumpkins album. Ah, and I yeah. thought, no, yeah, because <laughs> I, I was thinking more in terms of rock albums um, for that series. And I was like, why don't I do it to do with um, Bedellamenti um, and his soundtrack for Twin Peaks? Because no one had sort of written about this, a soundtrack for the series. Mm. And also no one had really, um, has, as, as far as I know, um, no one's actually... Uh, put out a book to do with Angelo Badalamenti, and I felt it was about time that, yeah, someone wrote something extensive about him. <laughs> so I um, pitched it, and, and yeah, I was lucky enough to be selected and just wrote the thing in about, gosh, it must have been six or seven months. Wow, and, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. And what's great yeah. is your background. Like, you have a background in music, so you really understand. Mm. I mean, you go into the book and you kind of analyze a lot of his different pieces, don't yeah. you? yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was it was hard because you know when you're writing about film music, it's it's a tricky area to write about because mm. you want to explore music and but you don't want to do it in a way that people that are more interested in film are going to get lost in all that theory. So um, my hopes is that even if there is a little bit of music analysis in the book, that you, you can kind of get your head around it. I feel like it's like a book that should come with the vinyl. <laughs> you know? yeah, that would be amazing. That would be right? awesome. That's a really lovely compliment. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, feel, like you buy the vinyl and it just comes with the book as a bonus. Oh, you know? Well, that's awesome. what I'm hoping. Yeah. That it, you can sort of, well, more that it, you can listen to the music and use the book as a little bit of a guide as well as when you're watching the show um, in terms of how the music's used. Yeah, like, oh. like liner notes. You know, Nobody reads liner yeah. notes anymore. Um, when I, was I like, miss liner notes yeah. so much. I do have my CDs for that reason. When I go, yeah. um, I'll say op shopping, but you probably call it thrifting in yeah, the US. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I go thrifting, I always look for good CDs. And um, I actually found the Carrie soundtrack a little while ago, the old um, film score for that. And wow. the liner notes in that were insane. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to treasure this. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so how did you go about uh, doing the book? You basically are going through each track? Yeah, I went through, I basically threw myself into a bit of a Twin Peaks wormhole, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I drove everyone a bit mad around me over here. <laughs> but, um, just because I just went a bit insane with um, I, I basically just sat there and rewatched the whole show, awesome. made heaps of notes. Like every time I heard um, any fragment, even if it was just like the tiniest fragment of a theme, I'd, I'd jot it down and, and make a note of the episode numbers and everything. Uh, and um, yeah, I basically approached it that way. And, and I essentially wrote the book chronologically as I was kind of doing these explorations. I knew I wanted to have a chapter about jazz and, and how jazz works within the show and um, and obviously I, I feel Laura Palmer's theme is, you know, kind of the, the crux of the show really so mm. I wanted to have a whole chapter dedicated to exploring that. Did you learn new things? Did you learn something like, hey, I never yeah. looked at it this way before? Yeah, yeah. definitely. It, it's funny when I because I, I listened to the soundtrack so many times and I didn't actually, when I went over the years watching Twin Peaks, I didn't actually consider the fact that, for example, Laura Palmer's theme had been treated so many different ways and mm. then, you know, listening to the actual big open album, the archive album, mm. and just going, oh, my gosh, I never even, I, I felt a bit bad because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I didn't even notice that, like that there was all these different treatments of it I guess right. because you're kind of caught up in the drama of the show yeah. you don't really notice it and then yeah. it's only if you you know just watching it explicitly to analyze music within the show it's only then I started picking up on all these things and then listening to the archive record as well yeah I was thinking you could do it you could do like a sequel book there's like the whole archive which is like <gasps> it was like probably over yes. 100 songs I mean but there oh are the different it's... versions of it but Firewalk and with it's, me it's, Firewalk. it's so insane mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I feel like I barely scratched the surface. It ended up being a lot bigger than um, than I expected. <laughs> you got plenty of books, you know, in the future for picking oh, some peaks. I'd that's love, for I'd sure. Love to. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely a labor of love. <laughs> that music. That's cool. Have you ever thought about Firewalk with Me? Doing a book about that? Oh uh, yeah, I actually have. Um, I, I mentioned it briefly in the book, and as I was writing, just in the conclusion um, chapter, I just thought I, it's important to sort of touch on that music because it sort of referred back to the original soundtrack a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was thinking I would love to do a bit of a exploration of this music too. And and last Friday I went to a, a screening over here of um, the the film and. I was listening to the music the whole time as I was watching it and going, oh, gosh, it's beautiful too. Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> was, a lot darker. Yeah. How was seeing Firewalk with me on the big screen? Oh, it was, it was amazing. Um, I've, I've always loved that movie. I've always found it so um, – it sort of stays with you for d mm, days after watching yeah. it. Um, and it's so – and Cheryl Lee is just amazing in that film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just and you, see, you saw it when it was. Course. Did you see it when it was originally out? Like, no, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was ten years old. <laughs> I think uh, my parents have got into a oh, lot of yeah. trouble. Oh, that's <laughs> I was quite young when I think the show started. It was only a few years afterwards, and in Australia, everything obviously here we back then. Anyway, we used to get things about a year after they they were released in the US. Oh wow. Yeah. So like yeah, the, so like season one, season two came out and it came to Australia like a year later. So like yeah, the killer was already revealed to the world <laughs> except Australia. Well, yeah, no internet, then, no so maybe they, maybe it didn't get to them. They didn't. No, they wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I was, crazy. I, was, I didn't watch it because I would have been 
nine. I remember seeing the picture of Laura Palmer, though, wrapped in plastic in all my little kitty teen, you know, the teen magazines, yeah. pre-teen magazines. Um, and I remember seeing it and always being really creeped out by it. And also I used to see pictures of Cheryl and Fenn in, in, in the teen magazines and I always thought, oh, she's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look like that when I grow up. And then obviously a few years later I was watching it and, yeah, and I thought those two women were the coolest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. You're in the future, yeah. but you're in the past. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Claire, would you mind, like, reading a little bit from your book? Sure. So I'll read the start of uh, the chapter, Falling. After the release of Blue Velvet, the otherworldly beauty of the song Mysteries of Love caught the attention of Warner Brothers Records. David Lynch, Angelo Badalamenti and Julie Cruz were approached to produce an album for the label. The resultant Floating Into the Night from 1989 expanded on the moods and vocal character of Mysteries of Love. Badalamenti and Lynch collaborated again on the writing and production of material and Cruz was able to draw on her newfound angelic persona to perform the songs. The period that began with Blue Velvet and culminated in the release of Cruz's second album, The Voice of Love, in 1993, was arguably the most fruitful of the Lynch-Bedelementi creative partnership. To provide an understanding of the close proximity in which the diverse projects that Lynch and Bedelementi undertook occur during this time, consider the following timeline. Number one, Blue Velvet premieres in August 1986 at the Montreal World Film Festival and then opens in the US in September 1986 internationally in 87. Number two, Floating Into the Night begins production in 1988. Three, Twin Peaks begins production early 1989. Four, Wild at Heart commences production in mid-1989 after completion of the Twin Peaks pilot. Five, Floating Into the Night is released September 12, 1989. Six, the theatre production Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 premieres in 1989. In 1990, the Twin Peaks pilot airs 1990 in May. Wild, Wild at Heart premieres at the Cannes Film Festival. Number nine, the Twin Peaks soundtrack is released through Warner Brothers Records in September of 1990. Ten, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me begins production in mid-91 and then is released in 92 at the Cannes Film Festival, the soundtrack being released in August 1992. And 13, Julie Cruz's album The Voice of Love is released on October 12, 1993. And the above list doesn't even include the advertising work, television projects and other endeavours the members of the so-called lynch mob undertook during this time. Songs from Floating Into the Night appear in Twin Peaks and Industrial Symphony No. 1, musical cues and songs from Industrial Symphony No. 1 underscore Wild at Heart and Twin Peaks, and songs from Industrial Symphony No. 1, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and Wild at Heart show up on The Voice of Love. A brilliant cross-pollination of ideas occurred as a result of recording sessions and projects undertaken in such pro close proximity to one another. And from this cross-pollination bloomed a rich musical syntax that slipped effortlessly from one lynch piece to the next. Yeah. Good. yeah, I was yeah. watching Twin Peaks when it first came out, and then I said, oh, Julie Cruz has got an album coming out, and oh, there's the voice of love, and it's kind of cool to see this <laughs> timeline and remember getting every single one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of wanted to make a timeline because I wanted to, to show, because when I was writing it, I was getting so confused going, what were they doing? Oh, when did that happen? Did that happen before this thing? So, yeah. I went, so initially it was just to help myself, and then I thought, I think this might actually help for the readers of the book because it's... It's amazing kind of how much they did during that short period of time. 
Yeah, five, like five years or so, or I guess Blue Velvet yeah. too. But like, wow. Yeah, Blue Velvet was 86. Yeah, more so. But, yeah. yeah, just in the late 80s into the early 90s. Right. It's, yeah. it was, and they're all kind of appearing on it. Everything was sort of appearing on each other and mm. the music was, yeah, informing each other. They valued the music enough to say, hey, we can use it in other places or other it albums. so good. Yeah. yeah. I guess when you're a composer or a songwriter, you find that, when you're writing a lot of music in a short period of time, you, you tend to um, have similar approaches to different things. Mm. Like I know from writing songs a lot when I was younger, and I'd notice there would be very similar chord patterns and, and, and traits to that music I was writing. So I think when you're writing a lot of music in a short period of time, they can't help but sort of inform each other. You know, that music could have just was created and died with that movie, but it got to live a whole new life with Twin Peaks, yeah. which is so cool. The Industrial yeah, Symphony Yeah, Industrial Symphony. Yeah. yeah. I would love to ha- have a, an actual soundtrack release for that. That would be awesome. Because yeah. yeah. there's a couple of really cool um, montage sort of sound pieces on that, and I, I love that, the track um, I'm Hurt Bad, which mm, yes. it's on the season two release, and I think that's actually just a live recording from Industrial Symphony, and I've always loved that song because it's just insane. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so insane. So good. so good. And what do you think about season three? You have Angelo creating new music for season three. I mean, that's very just, cool. Yeah, so exciting. Yeah. yeah, I'm really interested to see what he, he does. Like he, I'm sure he'll use some of the key themes and mm. and maybe approach. I think there was a trailer or something, wasn't there, that they played Laura Palmer's theme in it? Yeah, he was yeah. playing. Was he in the piano? It was superimposed. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. that's right. Right. And it was a very, very like sort of slow version. So I'm curious to see um, what, how they um, arrange it or orchestrate it differently, and and what new music gets written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. mm. I'm very curious <laughs> about the whole <laughs> new series in general, and I'm sure you guys are too. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're counting down. And so in researching the book, I know you mentioned about, uh, of course, you listen to to the music and you watch the TV. Did you also go and? Try to find articles and, and try to do more background. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Um, but I did heaps of research into, especially interviews that Bedellamenti gave at that time, because obviously the music mm. writing process was um, very fresh in his mind. So that was the best way to, to find out about the background of the music I found. And yeah, yeah I, I went to the library and um, I found a couple of old books. Um, uh, for example, there was one that was very interesting that I found an interview of Bedellamenti in. It was a book about elevator music. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, really? Yeah, it's a really cool kind of kitschy <laughs> book about how elevator music has evolved and things. And he actually did mm. a little in- interview with Bedellamenti in there. So that was kind of cool to find that interview. That and, yeah. and then I just looked at old news articles and, and from the, that period and both here in Australia and worldwide and, and just looked for interviews um, mm. with Bedelmenti and, and um, different sort of think pieces on Twin Peaks. Yeah. Awesome. I can't remember if it's on the Blu-ray or it's on the, the the gold box, but there's a great interview with him. Laura Palmer oh, theme? Oh, yes, the Laura Palmer theme, I think. But he, he was That's really his, emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always cry when I listen to oh, like, Yeah, he's telling he did something and David Lynch says this and it just all came together. And yeah. It, it, yeah, that's the Laura Palmer theme. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. It is really cool, especially because it's kind of hard to relate a story while you're playing piano at the same time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I try to say. I used to gig a lot more in the past, but just trying to talk while you you're trying to start a song is really hard. So yeah. the fact that he actually writes a, sort of tells a whole story, and it's such an evocative telling of the story. I was like, my gosh, I would I would pay to watch someone on stage doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should go on tour. 
Yeah. Just David Lynch yeah, and sure. him. Just telling. Yeah. I, I would <laughs> love awesome. to go see Badalamenti's stories, oh, yeah. like as a one man show. Yeah. <laughs> Storytellers. He's done some great things. VH, VH, VH1 used to do a show called Storytellers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it was yeah, great. That's right. Yeah. Where I went yeah. Industrial Symphony number two. I yeah. Wanted, I wanted a, a yeah, sequel yeah. to it. If they're going to do exactly. Uh, I just want to. I just want to hear his stories about being a, a musician and and working in New York City and and yeah. during those the sixties and the seventies. It would be fascinating. Yeah, you, you, in one of your posts that you you did, you mentioned how he went under another name, which I thought was really yeah. interesting too. Andy Badale, which is probably because um, to make it a little bit more uh, anglicized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something? it would be like me calling myself Claire Norell or something. <laughs> <laughs> because I know people must have been a bit weirded out by an Italian name, I guess, back then. And I mean, I know in, in Australia, um, my, my father had a bit of, uh, a bit of teasing and things for being an Italian boy. So huh. wow. Probably, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you did a great job, like fascinating by like, like mm. how you can structure and look at, at the music. It's so, you know, it's so strange writing about like words about music because music is, is sometimes very indescribable and um, everybody hears a piece differently depending mm. on how they first heard, you know, everybody's got memories and yeah. associations with a piece of music and ev- for everybody that, the, the Twin Peaks theme, it's as uh, its as beautiful and evocative as it is, everybody, it brings them to a certain point in their life maybe when they discover that show. So trying to write about it in a, uh, for want of a better word, a general way is, is quite hard. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was definitely a great, a lot of fun to write. <laughs> cool. Yeah, we recently had Sharon Fenn on and she was talking about how. Yes, I heard that. Yeah, that was cool. Wow, you heard it. You got to hear it for <laughs> you. I did. <laughs> you were one of them. She talks about how uh, they wrote a piece just for her. Like she, she came into set and didn't even know that. I think it was the Audrey's oh. dance and stuff. So she, yeah. was, she was very surprised. Oh, okay. She came in and it's like, oh, Lynch was like, oh, we want you to dance at this piece and stuff. And, oh, it's such an amazing scene, that one, yeah. too. Yeah, it's interesting that, that with the Audrey's theme, how it um, sort of evolved itself too, and ended up being um, associated with her. So that that was a fun thing to kind of look at yeah. in the book. To, I was yeah. trying to, I was just trying to sort of think about why is it something so like it's it's really unsettling that piece of music, yet mm. strangely soothing at the same time. And I was yeah. trying to get to the bottom of it. Well, I just noticed. I know I know this is a bit of a music term, but I noticed that there was these these tritone interval, which has always been um, associated in classical music with the devil. So I thought that huh. was like kind of interesting, you know, um, yeah. to kind of see. Oh, okay, because that was always used in music, well, sort of in the classical tradition, used often to kind of connote uh, or, or just sort of um, create an unsettling sound, just because of the, the jarring nature of that mm. particular musical interval. So I thought it was kind of cool, but also, I mean, there's other ways you could, um, if you were to analyze that that Audrey's theme in terms of blues music, it come it. It's, you could have a different analysis, but I went with the, you know, the old school classical. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I th- when you think of Audrey, yeah. especially in the first season, she's very mischievous. Like I don't know if she's yes, the devil, exactly. but she's definitely kind of she's sexy yeah, yeah, and she, you can't trust her, and she yeah. goes behind her dad's yep. back. And yeah, that's, yeah, I think I made I made that point in the yeah. um, about the interval and and how it it does reflect. Um, the naughtiness of Audrey and mm-hmm. how she's sort of a, um, 
she shakes things up a bit. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. My and, pleasure. And it's really Thank a cool story me. and a cool book. And where can people Thank get you. your book? Um, I believe it's on Amazon. Um, so Amazon's probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, or the Bloomsbury Publishing, obviously local bookstores. Um, I believe that they they should be available by now, especially in the US. Yeah. Um, I think elsewhere there's a bit of a delay getting getting them out, but definitely in the US. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you, Claire. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. It's now time for Twin Peaks Stories. Well, we... You know, we've been kind of talking about this. That the, we thought this was going to happen. It looks like we're getting some Twin Peaks merchandise. Yes, and we're getting the pop figures, the, the one merchandise that they literally make everything oh, of. Oh, that's awesome! Now I remember Pops years ago when they were just come like they they didn't do much. I remember getting the Halo series. I was a big Halo gamer, and um, I bought all those. And, you know, Pops weren't that popular. You get a couple here and there. Now you literally can't escape them. I want to get them all. We got Dale Cooper. He's got his thumbs up, it looks like. And, yeah, and, and he's got his coffee. coffee yeah, which is good. awesome. And I love that Kyle McLaughlin, he says on Twitter that, like, they didn't give him a mouth. <laughs> How is he going to drink his coffee? Yeah, nobody has mouths uh, in Pop Figure Land. Log Lady. Yep, Log Lady. She's holding her log. She's got the red glasses. Love it. And you know what this looks like, though? The, the, kind of the pop figures, it reminds me of back in the 80s when they turned a bunch of shows we already knew and loved into babies. You Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies. Yes. Roseanne had one. where there Really? Were Roseanne Kids. I don't remember that one. Yeah. And then they had one. And with, I love cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Remember John Candy oh, had yes, one. Yes. There's um, Louis Anderson. Bob, I mean, like you had these shows where you... Flintstone Kids. That's right, Flintstone Kids. Yep. So it's like... Oh, Scooby-Doo Pup. Uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, yes. A pup named Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. So these remind me of like... They they look like little kids. Like yeah, Kathleen Coulson <laughs> looks like a little kid dressed up as the log lady. Yeah, I see that. Then you have Audrey Horn, which is... She's got a cigarette, I believe. and Yeah, she got the cigarette and she uh, she looks like she's serious. It's like She is serious. And she's, she got the birthmark over her eyes. Yes, I, yes uh, Sherilyn Fenn had mentioned that on Twitter. She thought that was really a nice touch. Yep. I'm Audrey Horn and I get what I want. <laughs> that's her, That's kind of like her <laughs> sassy look is like... Yep. Because she's got the skirt and, and uh, the shoes and it's, it's a nice touch. We got Bob. Yes, evil Bob. Evil Bob. And he's got his jacket and he, you know, he's a tire. The funny thing is I look at this and like, does Bob really have like a goatee? He's a beard. He's, is it a beard? It's, yeah. yeah. He's unshaven. He's always been unshaven. He's got the bristles. Yeah, I guess so. Yep. It just looks funny. We got the Leland Palmer yes, with. Yes, the doppelganger. The doppelganger the one. Do, yeah, the evil Leland. He's got white gloves on and the white hair and the white eyes. Right. And he, the, it's clearly where he's about to choke Maddie. And then... We got the most interesting one of them all. It is not Laura Palmer as prom queen. It is Laura Palmer, as we see her in the beginning of the show, wrapped in plastic. Wrapped in plastic. Now She looks very peaceful, though. She does. Her eyes are closed. How does it stand up? It's very thin at the bottom of the base of this 
pop yes. figure. I don't know how it's going to stand. I never take them out of the boxes. I, I keep, was going to ask you that. I don't take them out because they're easy to stack. I think I'm going to take mine out. I want to touch it. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm like the worst collector. Like, I'm I don't like, take I anything keep, out. You know, yeah, I wreck I know. everything that I have. Yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> but the Laura Palmer one, to me, doesn't look like it's going to stand up straight. Like, I feel like you touch the desk, it's going to fall. Yeah. Well, she yeah. should be laying down. Should she really be standing up? You're right. She should be laying down, and they should all be gathered around her. Oh, we got to do that. we got to like set that up. Like a funeral scene, yes. yeah. But here's the thing. I know some people on Twitter were commenting that the Laura Palmer one is a little creepy. And I don't know. It would have been cool if we got the Laura Palmer as the prom queen that we see the photo of. Mm. But honestly, this is the beginning of the show. This is what it's all about. And pop figures, it's pop culture. So giving us the Leland before he strangles and kills someone to me, is more creepy yes. than the dead Laura Palmer. I agree. Isn't that? Morbid. Morbid. Yes. Laura Palmer's morbid. She's but, peaceful, though. She's like, yeah. yeah. Pop figures, they've created pops for shows to some of the characters, if you think about it, have done worse. I mean, they have Game of Thrones. Now, if you watch Game of Thrones, there's some characters that have done some bad things. They have Breaking Bad. They have every show you can imagine. And these characters have done worse things than a mm. dead Laura Palmer. Right. It is a little bit morbid. I do agree there. But this is the iconic. Right. So iconic that at the Twin Peaks Festival, people wrap themselves up in plastic and yes. pretend to be dead. Like Scott so, Ryan. Scott Ryan. <laughs> so it is. It is morbid. But it's not as morbid as anything else, yes. really. But, you know, it's funny. You know, they had the Gilmore uh, Girls series that came back. Yeah. And one of the characters, she just has a reference about, I think, her newspaper article that it's it's wrapped in plastic. And right away, you know, wrapped in plastic is, is... a reference to Twin Peaks. I mean, that yes. is just iconic. I mean, we all know wrapped in plastic. I so mean, it makes total sense. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I agree it's morbid, but I, I think that if we dig deep, there's been worse. Um and then on top of this, we're getting four action figures. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to be able to buy these. I mean, well, I, Pop, it's the same company, I imagine, right? It's the same. Yeah, maybe it's the same company. I don't know. But I want to get these. I like, we have Bob, Laura, Agent Cooper, and we have Log Lady. Mm. And they have bendable arms <laughs> and bendable legs. But Laura, yet again, is wrapped in plastic. Yes. But we get Cooper in his trench coat, we get we get a log lady in her sweater, and we get Bob in his denim jacket. It's unfortunate the log lady does not have a, her log. It could come with one in ah, the packet. That's the so I think a donut and a coffee mug should yes! come with Cooper. I don't know what to do with Laura. I mean, there's Laura nothing... would just be, I don't know, a log. You know, like, a big log? <laughs> a big log. <laughs> and Bob be a mirror? That would be a cool one. I actually think that would be funny. It could come with a mirror, yeah. Yeah, and you can look into it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Actually, if I, yeah, what I would do is I'd have a mirror for Cooper, and he brings it up, and it's a, <laughs> it's actually a picture of Bob. Bob. So, like, yeah, never mind. That would be cool. <laughs> definitely, we're definitely going to have to get these. Talk about already coming out with more Twin Peaks They always do this. It's characters. like a testing yeah. ground, right? Right. If they sell well, they're going to have so many freaking ones coming out, you're going to be like, I don't even know where to put them. Yes. That's the problem with pop figures. Yes, I will have to get myself a shelf just for Twin Peaks I toys. Know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to buy them, Twin too. Peaks. I don't think there really was any Twin Peaks toys 25 years ago. We didn't... You had the cards, right? Yeah. And that's, that's about it. That's about it. And I guess that's almost like baseball cards, yeah, but that's yeah, not yeah. the same as, as these characters. You know what, though? These are the baseball cards of today. 
because uh, baseball right, cards collect- collections and nobody stuff, yeah. buys cards any they're all virtual now yeah and then now these are everywhere these are like the baseball cards my son still buys pokemon cards well, that's a different story. Okay. Because Pokemon cards are a gateway to Magic the Gathering. Ah, <laughs> yes. That's in it. Digimon. Okay, so he's got a he's got a ladder to climb. It's Pokemon, Digimon, Magic. Yes. What would you want to see in the next series of the next wave of pop figures? Yeah. I would want Agent Cole. I want uh, David Lynch. Ah, yes. Um, I would want Donna. Ah. I would want Shelly. I would want Leo, Bobby. Um, you can only get one more. I think that's five, right? <laughs> It'll give you six. I would want Benjamin Horn. Benjamin Horn, okay. Yeah, yeah, those would be mine. All right, I have to pick six now. Yeah, yeah. I would want Little Man from Another Place. <gasps> yeah. Ah, his uh, red suit and he's dancing yes, and stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah. I definitely want David Lynch. Because it's out later, would they actually do any of the new series? Could you actually have characters that we haven't seen before? Not until it's out. What about Denise? That would be funny. I'll go with Denise, you can, you David can, Duchovny. Yeah, because <laughs> you know I had gotten Molder dolls. Remember, like they had that Molder yeah, action figures. Yeah, I have a Scully one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Garland Briggs. Yeah, Major Briggs. Major that would Briggs. be really cool. I would. That would be awesome. Um, uh, Mike. Yes, the one arm man. One arm man. Oh, isn't that be cool to have the figure with one arm? Yes. Man? Yes. Yeah. He, oh, nice. that would be really cool. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I think I'm going to be broke. Bye bye paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> So this week, Ben, I don't have any community feedback per se, but I have a nice little story for you. I like stories. Yeah, I like stories too. So, you know, we've been full force since after the holidays. We mm-hmm. really have been doing a lot of special shows. And um, over the holidays for Christmas, uh, my girlfriend got me the Twin Peaks hoodie and uh shirt t-shirt so after christmas i was wearing the hoodie no i was wearing the t-shirt and i had my jacket on and it was cold we were out shopping and we're we're, we go to the store and this girl cashing us out she goes oh my god is that twin peaks and now she probably looked like she was like early 20s and i was like yeah 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 and she's like oh my god my friend is obsessed with that show. He got a tattoo on his arm hmm. with the owl and stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. And then Allison, my girlfriend, she's like, he has a podcast that he does. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, you know, we've had writers and actors and we interview people and stuff. And, you know, she's like, oh, my God. She's like, oh, he would love that. So I wrote it down. And then I go, well, you, you know, season three is coming out this year. Or... It was, right. it was 2016, so I said next year. And she's like, what? Season three? I don't know if he knows that. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be on Showtime. And she goes, you know, this is just the age difference. She's just like, and then I'm like, she's like, are the original people going to be in it? And I'm mm. like, yeah, I think a lot of people are coming back. And she's like, they're all going to be like 100. Aww. <laughs> That's what she says. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're all going to be older. And then... You know, she's like, my friend's obsessed, and he always makes me watch it. 
and she's like, she, you know, she was like saying how I always think it's a little cheesy and everything, but you know, he really likes it and um, he'll be really excited. But when it was just the age difference, it was someone that like early twenties is just like they're all going to be like a hundred. It just <laughs> sometimes makes I it, feel like I'm a hundred. Yeah, yeah. You, it does make you feel like oh, they're not that old. Right. I mean, they were kind of young when they did the show. Yeah, um, like Sharon Fenn, I think is ten years older than me. Wow. I mean, I don't feel like it's that no, old. No, really? no. Unless I'm old, but <laughs> no, you're not old. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting, but it's kind of cool. That just wearing a simple shirt caught someone's eye and engaged to yeah, talk about Twin Peaks. That's awesome. And this is someone who's younger. This is somebody wasn't even alive when it wasn't first even came alive. Out. Wasn't even alive wasn't when even the alive. show came out. Yeah, and her friend is making her watch this, and he has a tattoo. And I uh, gave him the address, and I said, you "Check it out." And yeah, um, I mean, it's just kind of cool that there's a younger audience out there. That's getting into it because of Netflix and Hulu. Netflix and Hulu right now, front and center. Mm-hmm. And it's also very weird when you watch it on Hulu and Netflix now. It says Showtime in the corner. Does it? Yep. I didn't know this. I'm re-watching it myself on Hulu. Ah. Showtime. Branding. They're branding because Showtime now owns it. Right. I mean, it was. And it's part of CBS. CBS, CBS owns. Is, has owned it the whole time. But yeah. now they're branding it the Showtime. Fascinating. I didn't know. So it, it's funny. I've been re-watching it, but I'm watching it on Blu-ray. I mean, yeah. so I'm, yeah, every Sunday, my wife and I are watching one or two episodes, but it's like, hey, I want the highest quality, and I'm going to put it in the Blu-ray disc. Yeah. They had no idea that they're branding it now. Yeah, I watch it um, before bed, and I don't have a Blu-ray player in my bedroom, so I'll just turn it on on Hulu, and um, yeah, Showtime. But it's smart marketing, mm-hmm. because they're, A, it's Showtime. They're getting people excited, and they're saying, "Hey, you can watch the new season." You know, awesome, really cool. But it's a cool story, and I think, you know, as we get closer, and you start seeing the Twin Peaks merchandise come out, like we've been talking about the show, I think it's going to slowly seep into the zeitgeist mm. of our culture again. Oh yeah, and it's going to be a slow thing, and I want it to be a slow seep into it because I don't want it to be bam Twin Peaks because you do have that fear of being burnt out. You do have that fear. But I want it to be people to discover it on their own almost yeah. and like get into it and it it is a niche sort of show. It's not for everybody. Yeah. It definitely isn't. It'll be people that have never seen season one or season two. They'll exactly. just go into watching Showtime and watch the first episode. And that to me is so weird in some ways that like you It's exciting. It's exciting, but it's like, wow, you do realize this show has you know had two seasons already and But they could realize this and go back and uh, binge them on Showtime and I mean on Hulu or Showtime.com or anything. So that's really cool. Yeah. It's a gateway drug. Season three is a gateway drug to get people into it. So. Mm, awesome. Um, but you that's heard, my there, story. There's still calling, there still seems to be a lot of people calling it a reboot. I even think Showtime is calling it a reboot at times. I've never seen that, but I've seen things on our Tumblr. Mm. Or on Tumblr. Season three is not a reboot. Season three is not a reboot. Right, because a reboot is like the idea that it's it, it's a whole new like you're forgetting the the you're old and you're restarting it. it. Yeah. I mean, kind of like Star Trek, 
they did a reboot and basically started off as a whole new Kirk and yeah, yeah. But this is not that. Right. I think this is more or less unless it is. <laughs> it's all been a dream. It's all a dream. I I think this is more of the case of a F- Star Wars: A Force Awakens. Hmm. You you are bringing in young people, a younger cast to continue that torch, but you're including the people who made it great. And it's not a reboot. It's just continuing the story. Right. But I think because people like to use that phrase. Right. It's easy. It's people kind of understand that it's coming back. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think David Lynch himself would say this is a reboot. This is right. just a continuation. Definitely. Yeah. So that ends our show, Ben. Um, please check us out on Facebook. So keep liking us there. We're on the Reddits, uh, Twin Peaks on Reddit. We're on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitter. Ben, you're kicking ass on Twitter. We're kicking ass. We're engaging. We're we're uh, getting people talking about different things, um, which is awesome. And you can join us on iTunes. Subscribe. Give us that five star review. Those five star reviews are going to get us more accessibility out there into the iTunes world. More, mm. We will be more accessible. People will find us easily. Right. And I think we had like, we're up to 30. 30 some odd, yeah. So we like to hit 70. That's our goal. That's I, our goal. I mean, I know that's a, that's a tough goal for only a few months away, but I would love to hit 70. I would love if, if yeah, give us those likes. Yeah, get, give like us those 70 stars, stars 75 yeah. stars. Be awesome. Because I think if we can get 70 to 100, that's going to put us right up there with other Twin Peaks podcasts. Mm. And we want to get us or one of them or anybody in the Twin Peaks community's podcast in that top 50 before season three hits. That'd be awesome. And the reviews are so important. People get a better sense of what our show is by your reviews. So like, if, you, if there's any of our shows that you've liked, let us know by going to iTunes. Yeah. And thank you, community, for uh, everything you've done for us. It's been awesome. It's been Wild. awesome. This 2017 has been awesome for Twin Peaks. Oh, it has. It's it's so exciting. Yeah. It's... New news, like, almost every week, it yeah. feels like, and just excitement in the air. So we'll be back next week. See you in the trees. It was really unusual, unlike anything uh, I'd ever experienced. And it was, it was just it was great fun to be a part of. <laughs>